Hello and welcome to Subculture, the podcast exploring subcultures from around the world. I'm your conductor, Jake Brennan, and I'm joined today by fellow Choo 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 Dren, Joanna Graham. Hello. I can't have a train <laughs> sound that you've not already used. Oh, Benjamin Hymans. Insert train noise here. You never want one with like a whistle horn. Give me that one. The steam whistle. Wait, can we request noises? I don't think we have before, but we can for this episode. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like how I'm making this call, even though it's Jabs' job. <laughs> we can request it, doesn't mean he will fulfill it. <laughs> <laughs> and our amazing and wonderful editor oh, is not going to audio clip dry retching and fart noises <laughs> in our introductions. Jacob Abbott. Guys, I'm really excited about this one. I hope I don't go off the rails. Oh, oh there we go. There we go. Let's build it up with the usual opening question. What is your favourite mode of transport besides a car? Haven't we had this question before? I assume yeah. Have we had this question? I feel we have. I think we have. I can't remember what episode oh, it is. Elevators. 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 Look at this. We're 28 episodes in and you're already using your questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, it's okay. I'll just steal from you. That's fine. <laughs> Same question applies. Shameless, shameless. Shameless question. Favourite form of transport other than a car, round two. Jams. I'm going to say monster truck. But is that count as a car? No, it's, a, it's a different than a car. It's its own type of thing. Okay, but here's the other thing. Is it a mode of transport? Yes. I think they don't go very far. They can. You could go for one of the cool designed ones, like the Hulk Hogan monster truck, which is yes. made of a bicep. Have you seen this, Jake? Have you seen this? Please verbally describe this to me once I Google find this. The Hulk Hogan one is yellow, obviously, like Hulk Hogan. And it's got massive arms stuck to the side. And it always makes me think of that episode in Always Sunny, where they hand out the bicep leaflets and they look like <laughs> dicks. <laughs> Joe, we're bringing it back to you. Okay. Oh, God, I still can't remember which one it was I was going to say, so I'll just say bicycle. Ah, uh, cop out. I mean, bicycles are pretty sick. Yeah. Depends on a bicycle. Are you talking like penny farthing? No. Ooh. Does it at least have, like, tassels on the handlebars? No. Is yeah. it one of those bicycles with, like, the fattest wheels? No. What about a basket on the front? Three no. to sit. It does have a cart and a spoke, so it makes, no. like, a little... No. Are you sure you think about bicycles and not a unicycle? No. <laughs> Does it have stabilizers? No. Look. Does it need stabilizers? I won't. No. I'm, right. I'm gonna. You know, forget the bicycle. <laughs> anyway, we bring this up a second time because if you've not already guessed, we will be looking at arguably the best form of transport other than cars, trains, and the people who follow them obsessively. Train spotters slash rail fans. Hooray! What are train spotters slash rail fans? I hear you say. What what are train spotters? (laughs) You know what? I feel shame because I listened to the sitcand episode that you did without me and you called us out for not Mm. saying that. So there you go. I'm saying it now (laughs) so that you don't replace us. (laughs) First things first. I've got to probably just go over that. This has many different names. You've got rail fans, rail buffs, train buffs, rail enthusiasts, railway buffs, or furrow... Quinologists. I think I'm saying that right. But we're going to be focusing on the two key terms, which is more widely known as train spotters and rail fans. So we'll start off just defining what those both are, because one is very different than the other. 
A rail fan is someone who has a kind of an all-out love for anything to do with trains. Train models, train spotting, train mechanics, anything under the sun. Whilst train spotters are people who basically go around and, as the name implies, spot trains. So is it like bird spotting where you go around and you have like a little list of different types of trains? Yes, it's pretty much exactly the same kind so of they premise. they have little pictures of the trains, like the little illustrations by an old man and it's like, here's this type of train. Some do will get into the how, Aww. but yes, a big part of train spotting is having logbooks and recording what trains you've found. Now, some fancier logbooks have cool illustrations and other ones just blank, so you can just kind of put them in. But it's a much more than just the books, you know. It's here, a new wonderful modern age with TikToks and websites and digital zines and all that sort of stuff. So let's get into the people, the big names, the big dogs and the giant cojones that make up this subculture. Starting with the man with the biggest cojones, the wonderful and the magnificent, a name I can barely pronounce, Francis Borgio. Borgio? Borgio, perhaps? Sorry, Francis. Dyslexia is just doing you the dirty. So, Francis is, I like to consider the kind of modern day introduction to rail fanning to the young audience. He's a young man. He runs a TikTok channel in which he will go out into the middle of nowhere where he can catch some good peaks of trains. And he will basically, he wears this little sort of like dash cam GoPro on his head and record the trains going by. But at the same time, He'll also record his own face on this really obscure fisheye lens and just record his reaction because his reaction to seeing a train, I don't think I've ever seen anyone ever happier in their life. I really do like his fisheye lens because it's almost like, you know, like a Stanley Kubrick movie where someone goes mad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That kind of down the forehead look. It's, it's almost like Jack and the, uh, the Everlook Hotel. It's great. Yes. And he knows he does it. It's part of the charm he knows he plays up mm. to. And it's mm. it's hilarious. Basically, he has become a huge outreaching individual for the train spine community for much younger generations. Which, as someone who worked at a train magazine publishers, that was the biggest issue they were facing, basically, was that literally their fan base was dying of old age. I wonder how they feel. They put all this time and effort into it and just some guy turns up on TikTok. Oh, no, I will guarantee you they love it. When I worked at Morton's, they loved any young person getting involved in loving trains because it was boring for them. It was all just a bunch of old guys. And I remember every time anyone young came in, they'd be like, oh, there's a new blood. Ah, <laughs> get all excited. Take his youth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let's keep on the people. Let's spearhead forward because we're going from the current latest in the train spotting community to the first ever in the train spotting community. Ooh, for excitement. Ooh. Yes. Oh, that gave me chills. <laughs> like a DJ. You trained us too well. Oh, I trained you too well. <laughs> uh. So, yes, Mr. Ian Allen. Now, Mr. Ian Allen used to work at Waterloo Station in 1942 as a PR, personal relations correspondence man. And his job was basically to answer letters and phone calls from the general public who were interested in trains. And he kind of realised it was a huge following of people who loved trains. Just they loved the idea of trains, the mechanic of trains, the number of trains, etc, etc. And he went to his boss and he said, look, we've got this big fan base. Why not make a newsletter for these people? And the big boring people at the top said, no, it's not within our interest. We don't care. We just want to do the things. 
And so, being the cheeky little monkey that he was, he went and did it anyway off his own back, creating the Loco Spotters Fan Club, the first ever organised train spotting fan club. And he made a little book. He made his own little log book. And that sold, and keeping in mind, this is pre-internet, this is pre-advertising, big advertising, he sold over one million of these logbooks across the United Kingdom. That's quite the sensation. It really is. I don't think there was a million of near enough anything in the United <laughs> Kingdom at that point. So he basically curated the entire train spotters and arguably rail fans community. We don't get this very often where we can nail down a subculture to one person. But the other time I remember we did was the elevator Elevators, episode, yep. which was Diesel Doocy. And if I remember, doesn't he have a, a toy train with him in quite a few of the videos? Yes, I think he does. I think that's why he's called Diesel Doocy, yeah, because yeah. he likes trains. It's so insane, isn't it? Like, it's these parallel worlds that are so different, yet so much the same. Wow. Moving on, moving on. Let's jump over to another fun part of these podcasts. The terminologies. We play the game where I say terminologies and you guess what they mean. Hooray. So, first terminology. Tones. Tones. Hmm. I think that's going to be the type of honk they make. Yes, spot on. A tone is in like a musical tone. Normally people give a two or three tone honk like or something like that. So when I designed my train spotting app, it had a section on there for each train's honk. The idea being that if you're a train spotter, you could go and record the honk or like test your skills. Oh. It's just kind of like the, um, oh, what do you call it, where you record a song and it tells you what song it is. Could you do the same Yeah, with the exactly. Yeah. It's Shazam, but for trains. For trains, yes. I think it depends on the person who does it, but I'm definitely sure each train must have their own unique honk. Type. They do. Oh, nice. Next on the list, Grising. And I could be saying that wrong. Grising. G R I C I N G. Ooh, I don't know that one. Give it a guess. I was going to guess maybe it's like something on the ground that's kind of like ice, but maybe there's like grit in there as well. Oh, is it the ice that forms under the train because people use the toilet and goes out into the tracks? Is it like uh, uh, water icing? Gross. Unfortunately, no, it is none of those. It is an old slang term for train spotting that you'd ah. go out gricing, apparently. What does that say about us that we immediately go to? It's weird, icy <laughs> piss water. I mean, it's us. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> that's true, that's true. Next up, festoons. Festoons. That sounds really familiar. It feels mm. like something you might wear. Mm. Yeah, is it something like the train conductor wears? Is it like his nice hat? No, unfortunately, a festoon is a slang term to refer to older train spotters. So huh. someone, someone who's older, who's into it, who's been in it for years, might be a festoon in some circles. They should have a word for young train fans rather than old train fans, seeing as older train fans are the norm. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we have anything for younger train fans. Let's make They one. should combine the word festoon with baby and they go with baboon. Baboon. That's only a thing, though. It's a creature. Is it? A baboon, yeah. It's a monkey. Are you <laughs> sure? <laughs> are you sure you haven't just made that up? Because it's a really good word I just invented. Oh, I understand. Yes, it's a brand new word, don't I? Yeah, it's a definitely. moment that I generally thought that wasn't a bit. Thought, oh my, <laughs> oh my god, Joe is so I would have loved to be here for a moment we invite Joe into the wonderful world and know what baboons are. Seriously, try and convince someone who's never seen or heard of a baboon that they are a real thing. It's a monkey with a painted face and a giant ass. No, ours. it's not. Uh, You've made it up. <laughs> Last term, nodding donkeys. Nodding donkeys. Is that... 
train spotters who aren't quite committed enough who have fallen asleep on the platform. Just like sat in the benches. Is it people who are on a train and it's kind of as it bumps along, they kind of nod their heads up and down? Ooh, I'll have that. The nodding donkey is basically a train on bumpy tracks. Oh. Or for a bumpy ride, whether or not it's the tracks or the train itself. Yeah. Let's stop the train at the next station and have a big old piss break. Piss break. Woo! Hi, it's me again, Mr. Piss. I thought I'd tell you about my naughty little adventures over in another podcast in the wonderful world of Virgins and Dragons, where me and the sumptuous Benjamin Hymans help my good friend Mother get a lottery ticket. And it's such a shame so many bodies were left behind. I would urge you all to go give them a listen at Virgins and Dragons on SoundCloud and Twitter. If you don't, I'll know, and I always know. But if that doesn't tickle your pickle just about right, you should check out our own social media at SubculturedCast.com on Twitter and Instagram, and you can listen to more of the insane ramblings of three to four idiots at Subcultured on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. All brought to you by our wonderful friends and my personal besties at podcrabs.com. That's www. Podcrabs.com. Oh no, they found me again. Time to hide. <laughs> well, that was great. Should we go up to the next section? Yeah. Yes. How do you get into it? I hear you ask. How do you get into it? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Joe. There are many, <laughs> many, many, many. You're playing into his hand. Stop. Never going to get old that bit. There are many ways to get into train spotting in general, and the first and most important is to get yourself a logbook. Ooh. Right. And using that logbook, you can take down a menagerie of information. This can range from the name of the train, the number, the type of train, the builder, the year builds, class, the depot it left from, the max speed, the weight, the length, the place it was seen, the date it was seen, the arrival and the departure, the number of wagons, and a miscellaneous section. So it's a fucking ton. It's a lot of information to get down. And all this in the space of a couple of seconds as it goes past. Yeah, like, I think people go there thinking, I know this train's going to go by, so I got to get to copy all this down. Alternatively, you could get, like I mentioned before, like a train almanac or a train book, taking them off the ones that you've seen. I know a lot of big train spotters do that in the biz. Alternatively, you can wrestle on the train if you really wanted to. If the police don't stop you. No, exactly. Well, this was a thing apparently in Japan where pro of wrestlers. Of course, it's in Japan. Of course where they it's wrestle in, Japan. in doctors' offices and stuff like that. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is apparently a regular thing on a train that goes across the Japanese coast where five pro wrestlers will basically throw hands on a train carriage, all in the efforts to help the popularity of the train so they can get more money in for the service. Hmm. I think it's called the Mena Mi Yurin on Unuma. 
Yep, not going to be able to get that right. Just Google Japanese train wrestling, I'm sure you'll find it, don't worry. Yes. So, last part I've got for this, for how to get into it, and this is an important part, a collection of rules as to what you should and shouldn't do as a train spotter, because it isn't as easy as just rocking on up and taking photos. There are a lot of things to consider, or else you might get kicked off the station, or worse, you might die. <gasps> Sometimes. I'll rinse through the rules. Any questions, I will not answer them. So rule number one, don't take photos of military trains. They do not like that. Makes sense. Especially if they're carrying, like, tanks and stuff. I'm sure they look very dimly upon someone who might be a a spy, a saboteur. I seem to remember a story about a near-miss with, like, a military helicopter locking onto a police officer's, like, speed radar, thinking it was a missile or something like that. So be careful pointing anything at military equipment, I guess. Yeah, just don't take pictures of the military. Just avoid the military because they have license to kill. Yes. Rule number two, take photos in public locations. Do not trespass or going where you shouldn't be. If there are big nasty signs telling you do not go over this fence, you do not go over that fence. That's good advice. Mm, I think that's good advice for anything, really. You know how people I know that died in quarries? Yikes. What? Do you know multiple people who have died in quarries? In my hometown, so many kid died, really? kids died in quarries. And every what the year, fuck? people don't learn that lesson. Don't oh go to the God. quarry, you might die. I used to hang out in a quarry. You could have been those kids. I basically lived in that quarry for a while. Wow. Are we finding wow. out that you're really just stick of a dump, Joe? Is that... I, I'm basically <laughs> stick of the dump, yeah. Is that why the kids died? Did they trespass? Yeah, they did. They trespassed in my pit. I killed them. And I ate them. Anyway, we do not endorse cannibalism <laughs> or child murder. We okay. don't? Uh, well, I mean, no, no, we do not. We do not do that. We don't do that. Rule number three. <laughs> this is an important one. Stay 15 feet away from the rails at all times. Unless you're obviously getting onto a train, but generally. Uh, 15 feet, really? That's quite far. It's very far, but this is within reason. There have been many, many videos out there of documented proof of people that are taking a picture of one train as it's stationary and not realise that they've got a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer to the opposite track and to the point where they've been clipped by trains at like 100 miles an hour. I feel like if they're in that position where they keep getting closer and closer then starting 15 feet away doesn't help them that much anyway. There should just be a just don't get within 5 feet of the edge. Doesn't matter where you start. Because the issue is, it's people go in hordes. You'll find hordes of people doing this at once. Yeah. And someone will get in from someone else. And someone will get in from someone else. And suddenly you realise, that kid's got a foot on the track. But surely that will still happen, even if you start 15 feet away. It just takes a little bit longer to get there. Yeah, but at that time, people might realise, oh shit, we're a little bit close there. I think it's something to keep in mind. So you're a bit more safety conscious. The opposite end of that spectrum, though, the amusing end, is when I worked at Morton's, we had a photo competition. Like people who were train spotters would take pictures of trains and send them in. Mm. And we had like a running gag. So you're sitting there for ages. Like these people will be there for like 10 hours a day at the crack of dawn to get their position for their right photograph so that the hills are positioned perfectly in the background and everything. It's all picturesque. And then just as the train's about to go by, they take the picture only for another train to come in in front of them and oh, block yeah. the whole view. <laughs> and you can see so many videos and pictures online of people trying to get like the Flying Scotsman only for like a really shit national rail train to just like go <laughs> and like ruin their whole setup. It's hilarious. It is. They get so angry. 
They do. Some people kick off a lot of this. There's a nasty well, side to this. Because like you're out in the rain, you know, English weather in the middle of nowhere for 10 hours. He would be annoyed. <laughs> I thought that was going to go maybe a different way there. Of you saying that you were train spotter spotting where they were there for ages. So you'd start taking pictures and uh, trading around <laughs> internally your pictures of people who were taking pictures of trains. We should start that subculture. <laughs> Next rule, kind of a bit of an obvious one, but one that needs to be really, really reinstated. Obey the laws of locomotive companies, and when in doubt, speak to the supervisor of that station for the do's and don'ts. Normally, people will be very understanding of because they understand the culture. People work at these small stations because they are enthusiasts themselves. So, you know, it makes sense that you go to them and say, what's the do's and do's for that? And they'll be very accommodating. Don't just go there and assume, because each train station, I think a lot of people don't know, is different. And each regional manager will have a different set of rules of what is and isn't allowed. There's no, like, one size fits all for dicking around on a platform. Especially with just how big and how fast they come in as well. I mean, no one wants to see anyone get injured or turn into a pink mist. Oh, God. So, has anyone died during train spotting, I hear you? Absolutely. They must have, yeah. They must have done. Well, lots of reports of people looking the wrong way. A lot of reports of people getting clipped. I've not found any exact reports, but I do know that during the whole train surfing era, people started doing it in the same way people started lighting the heads on fire after Jackass ad, in which they thought it was a cool idea, and lo and behold, people died. But what was really interesting to do with the element of death was the London Necropolis Railway, also referred to as the Corpse Train. <sighs> so this was a train that closed in 1945 between London Hospital and the cemetery. They basically loaded all the corpses on this train that would travel back and forth between the two places on a daily basis. Yeah, I've heard about this. It's because obviously land in London is so expensive and mm. being a big city, the graveyards are filling up so much. What do you do? You've got to move bodies out into the countryside where there's actually land to bury them. Exactly. Yeah. And what's the most efficient way of doing that? Well, trains are efficient and they're a great way of getting stuff around that is fuel economic compared to its alternatives. The infrastructure's in place and they're just fucking cool. Great way to carry a body. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but what, they just carry them around just forever or they carry them out to the countries we buried? Sorry. They carry them to the Brookwood Cemetery. Okay. It's like a, a steam-powered hearse, really. Yeah, much. pretty much. Okay. See, how fucking cool does that sound? When you say it like steam-powered hearse, yeah. yeah. But, like, imagine if you were, like, Breaking Bad when they try and rob the train. It's like a big train <laughs> oh, heist. No. And then they, like, try and siphon out the train juice or whatever, and then they just get corpses instead. You'd never rob a train again after that. No. <laughs> no. God, no. And last but not least, the fundamental pillar of this podcast the mum holes, bum holes, cum holes, and rum holes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, I really wasn't sure what to put in this, because it turns out train kinks and having sex on trains is a fucking big industry. It's almost a cliche scene within Pornhub. Mm. Got your classic, I sexually harass someone on a train scenes, which well, I really hope are all staged. You've got, I have sex in a train whilst no one's around. Given how I'd imagine it costs a lot to rent a train, I yeah. don't feel most of this is legal. Mm. Or it's just like a set and not like a natural carriage or something. I mean, I don't know what Paul's budget is, but it's always on crap trains as well. It's never like on any pretty trains. It's always on like a public transport thing. Is that your big criticism? About the fact it might be like station or something? The fact the trains are a bit grubby. 
I would like a very raunchy TV show that has sex in it on an Orient Express level thing. Raunchy Orient Express. I want sophistication. I want a beautiful looking train. I want to go core. Look at the chandelier above her. The sound of those pistons getting me going. <laughs> <laughs> and there is just a menagerie of train sex toys. Really? Well, it does kind of just trains, but made of <laughs> made of plastic as one solid piece. Huh? I'm confused. What do you mean, sorry? I don't. Are you saying that they made trains out of dildos? No, they made dildos to look like trains. A train you can fuck yourself with. Yeah. Cool. I thought you were saying that, like, you know, the continued privatization of our public transport <laughs> meant that we were now making trains out of buses and dildos. That, that's too highbrow. <laughs> Recycled dildo seats. I, I see. <laughs> yeah, from the yeah. 80s, which is even worse. <laughs> they grind it up into a fine rubbery mess and then glue it all down. You know, like you get in playgrounds, there's that rubber matting that's just like rubber grip. Yeah, that's where that comes from, probably. <laughs> Well, that's everything I've got on the subject, capping off at its peak. And to be fair, we're very honest here, this subculture was so big, and what I've done is merely skimmed the tip of the iceberg, and I would wholeheartedly recommend people do a deeper dive on this. Overall, an absolutely incredible subculture. The people are wonderful, they're very kind, they're very fun, and much like old Francis, they're very happy, jolly folks. Let's call it there, as uh, this has been an absolutely wonderful and joyous episode, and I hope everyone has enjoyed it. So thank you all for listening, and we are the Subcultured Board of Tourism, and we apologise for this message. Choo-choo. Thought you'd seen the last of me? Not bloody likely, you swines. You can find more from the ragtag bunch of hooligans by searching Subcultured Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Subcultured on your podcast platform of choice. Subcultured is part of the Podcrabs Network at www.podcrabs.com. It is well good. You don't really get that anymore, do you? Just kid shows designed no. to freak kids out. It's oh, bring those such back. Such a lack, yeah. It's probably why we've got such a healthy fear. You know, we've all got anxiety. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that healthy fear. <laughs>